0: Clear air, clean water, strong bridges, safe roads, and life-saving miracles. Engineers are innovating the solutions that will build a stronger American future. But tax changes are stifling the spark of innovation, holding back the dreamers, doers, and builders from the discoveries that will reshape our future. Tell Congress, fix the R&D tax and promote research and development. Because when we fuel the fire of innovation, we light the way to a brighter tomorrow.
1: Welcome to Engineering Influence, a podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies. And today we are having our third conversation with our friends over at Power uh, Engineer uh, about AI and emerging technologies in the engineering space. We're coming out of our fall conference that just happened in Austin, Texas. And I was really surprised at how much attention was put on AI as not just the idea of it, but it's moved on from the idea of, well, this is cool technology, how are we going to do it, to, you know, our firm needs to implement this in some way. We need to actually take advantage of it and stay ahead of it. How do we actually do that? Our last conversation with uh, Nathan uh, Bingham, uh, the chief digital officer over at Power um, was really focused on operationalizing AI in the firm. And we want to really dive in with that uh, topic. And uh, to do that, really pleased to also bring on Sean Weekly, who is a software developer at Power and and helped actually the nuts and bolts side of things actually make it happen. And we want to kind of dig into some of the things that we talked about in the last episode and uncover maybe some ideas and some thoughts on, really, it's it's not just uh, the idea of AI with engineering, but how do you actually get it to work? How do you get buy-in and how do you really integrate it in with your firm? So Nathan and Sean, I really appreciate you taking the time to join me today to talk about these issues. Uh, Welcome to the program. Thank you. you.
0: Thanks for having us.
1: So Nathan, you know, you and I discussed kind of how power took advantage of AI and started implementing it into the firm. kind of first through small groups and then getting buy-in over time and setting in the policies and procedures to allow people to use it in such a way where, um, you know, they were cognizant of certain platforms being open source and, and, and understanding the dangers with, with confidential information or open source AI programs, but then also how power kind of developed its own uh, system Bucky um, to kind of Uh, harness it. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about, uh, if you could kind of summarize it for our audience who might not have heard it before, kind of like how power first recognized AI as something that they needed to take advantage of?
0: Yeah. Thank you. Um, So as we, you know, as ChatGPT hit the market and, and, you know, folks like Sean and, and others in the company, you know, they all started wondering how do we use it? Like, how does this help power? And, and, you know, as we talked about last time, we kind of immediately, started, you know, did some research and really understood some of the risks and, and things you meet, might need to be concerned about using it. And at the same time as that was happening, our, our group, we are a bit of an R&D group. And so folks like Sean and, and his peers were able to, you know, kind of dig into those nuts and bolts questions or concerns and figure out how we could use it safely and also how we could potentially use it on our internal data in a fashion that would be beneficial to us. And so we were able to take some time kind of doing that research into it and and uh, over time Sean began doing some development and some kind of sample, you know, some testing, you know, basic coding around creating an interface and and really just start playing with it, you know, having that time and ability to to investigate how we might use it um, until we got to a point to where we really had something to show leadership. With regards to how we could use it beneficially around the company, so I mean, really start off with tinkering, if you want to want to put it that way, and and just digging into it and learning about it.
1: Sean, how did you approach it? I mean, this is relatively new technology. Um, You know, how what was your approach in saying, okay, how do I take this fairly powerful tool and break it down into something that could be powers?
2: Uh, is hitting the ball and chasing it a technical term that, that's kind of what we do. Right? Uh, so, um, I, as part of what I do, I'm also part of a, another consortium called the substation design industry consortium. And there, there's been several folks, several utility companies within that consortium that have also been chasing this rabbit. Mm-hmm. Um, and myself and another couple of peers there kind of took it upon ourselves to figure out where does this benefit our industry. And me coming from a software development background, software architecture background, uh, it was really as simple as okay, let's go do some research to see you know what is available by the from the AI company, so OpenAI in this case, or Meta or whomever, and then look at the you know at the, what the platform offers and where, you know, it kind of falls off the edge in regards to what we can and can't do, Mm -hmm. and then create a solution within those bounds. Yeah. Uh, And it turned out to be relatively simple to create the solution. And then once we figured out what to do, it's really just scaling it up from there to become an enterprise level solution.
1: what was the timescale that you were working on? I mean, how much, how, how much research from research to implementation, uh, roughly how long did that take in, in your estimation?
2: Well, so today I would say that power with, with Bucky we're in uh, post beta. So we we put the solution in beta. We we put a couple of dozen people using it on a day-to-day basis. So we're not officially in production yet, but we're going to production next year. But from start to finish, we actually started this process in end of July Mm timeframe. And we were in beta with people by September. Hmm. And we've been testing from September to now in beta. And we've been testing multiple use cases. We kind of started off with in our head what we wanted to attempt Mm -hmm. but there were a certain subset of our users that we just kind of put on the system and said, use it with pretty much no driver behind that, other than, you know, flog it and see what falls off.
1: Nathan, how was that test user group determined?
2: I think with most
0: technology, you want to identify those who want to use it. And so you know, we had people reaching out as as Sean was testing with it. And, and at the same time, we had people just using the publicly available versions, and they'd come back with, hey, can we do this? Can we do that? And, so, you know, we, we, we channel those people towards Sean, to where he could identify, well, who's really wants to be engaged with this? who's going to actually test it for us, who's going to actually, you know, take the time to make, you know, some provide some valuable input here. So, you know, we I think you, you know to you read and understand technology. I mean, if it's going to be successful, you got to have those people who really want to try it out. And so, yeah, it wasn't as much of a, us finding them as they found us, and we we leveraged that interest to to get into it and and to test it with us.
1: How much time did it take to get buy-in from leadership? Where was leadership on this in the in the process? Were they bought in early on, saying, "Yeah, this is great." kick the tires, try to get something that we can work with and let's let's socialize it within the firm. Or did you have to get a point where you were uh pre-beta but you had a working framework that you were able to say, listen, this is going to work. Here's our, you know, here's our test case. Give it a shot. I mean, how how was how is leadership senior leadership with the firm kind of uh, 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 with this? Is it early or was it was it, you know,
0: taking them along the ride? So let me see how I want to answer that. Um, The leadership knew we were doing something. Mm -hmm. They knew we were working with AI. Um, To what extent? I kind of kept that a little bit to my team, that I wanted Mm -hmm. to develop something that I was able to felt comfortable and confident taking a solid business case to them with. And so Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not honestly sure how much of Tom or Sean's time he was spending day in and day out, on, day in and day out of, of the, on this. Spit those words out. But um, you know, he 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 would work on it, and I'd I'd receive updates and understand what was going on, and provide that input to my my leadership, our C suite, and say, you know, we're we're working on this, we're investigating these options, um, and as we basically got to the point to where We needed to decide if we were going to do something or not, right? If Mm -hmm. we were really going to go in on this tool, Sean can't do this on on his own, right? We would need additional help. We would need additional investment. Um, It's not cheap to pay for access to these engines. Um, And so the time came to where, you know, Sean's pounding on my door pretty hard that, hey, I'm going to need some help with this. And so at that point, we had enough information collected, some good use cases developed to where, I was able to take that to leadership. So, you know, Sean started in this in you know the July timeframe. Mm-hmm. We I took it to leadership um, with a solid business case in September to get approval to hire some additional people and to invest in it mm-hmm. for this year. So it took a couple of months to yeah. to get that all developed and in a solid case put together. And Sean, I you know what was
1: give me an example of what success look like, I guess, when you actually realize that, yeah, this is this is something that's going to work. This is a product that actually does show value. Um, You know, is there is there one case study or one example that sticks in your
2: mind? There's a few. Um, So our first kind of stab at it, we created a system that would allow us to. Upload some documents, but those documents didn't matter. upload those documents, and then provide uh, or query those documents using OpenAI and using the the GPT engines, so GPT-3 is what we started with, and say, you know, take these documents that I just fed you and summarize them or create lists and bullets or, you know, tell me what it's about. So, uh, essentially, we took some engineering specifications around T-Line, fed it to the engine and then started asking engineering questions like, you know, what size cable would we need for this particular situation? And the system spat it out and we're like, oh, that's really great. And then uh, we were using an open source library at the time. And what was cool about it was not only could we query the information and get an answer back, but we could get references to specific parts of the document click on those references and then open the document up and see, okay, yeah, it came from here. So, you know, IEC, you know, one, two, three, four. I'm, I'm not an electrical engineer, so I don't reference the specs. I'm a software guy, but you get the point. Yeah. The document would come up. The engineers who were testing it could see, yep, that's what I would do. And then that's where it, it started clicking, right? So that our engineers spend a significant amount of time poring over documentation trying to find a you know an excerpt from the document that references the specification that they're going to design something to. So if we can just feed that information to a system and it immediately return the data along with proof of this is where it came from then this is valuable. this saves yeah. engineering hours um, and then we okay so if we can do that with engineering documents, What other documents can we do? What other formats and information can we do? So that's where we started looking at our proposal process. So, you know, we create proposals for opportunities and we create a significant amount of proposals for opportunities across the year, several thousand a year. Um, So we summarized that or surmised is that, you know, if we're doing several thousand a year and it takes, you know, a day to do a proposal, if you're good, and we can start generating content around the proposal creation process and cut that down to half a day or a couple of hours, what does that save us? And it's a lot, you know, I mean, if we're, if we're talking about, you know, maybe it takes four days to do a proposal at eight hours a day and we're paying, you know, people 50 to a hundred dollars an hour. We're talking about $3,200 a proposal, 1500 proposals over three million dollars a year that we spend on writing proposals so if we cut that down to you know half Mm -hmm. that's you know 1.5 if we cut it down to a quarter we're saving you know we're down to less than a million um that's kind of the basis of what we built our business case on and we then went and proved that so part of our beta was we brought our production people in who are writing proposals we put them in front of the system and said write some proposals Mm -hmm. you know or or help let the system help you create proposals and we've had great success there Uh, it's on average the people I've spoke to are saving at least 25% of their time Um, some of them are saving up to 50% of their time it really depends that's that's Um, yeah it's 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 a significant help uh just in that one business case uh so you know we've got two business cases kind of covered here mm-hmm. and that's querying our knowledge management platform querying our specifications and that saves hours of time so you know you don't have to read the whole specification you just say hey where's it at give it to me uh and then creating proposals
1: you know a lot of this goes to before you even get to the point of feeding in the data, it goes to the point that firms really need to be paying attention to how they are already organizing and maintaining the information that they have within the firm. Uh, Did you find going in that, you know, Howard had a good, yeah, a good leg to stand on starting the process that your, that your data organization, the way that you handled all the materials that you, that you have digital, uh, was was pretty good. I mean, that you were able to prime the pump with this with this you know database. Because so I imagine there are a lot of firms out there that I mean, I, you know, we talk about. I, I talked to the CEO of BST Global at the the fall conference, and he asked the question. He's like, you know, how many of the top one hundred ANR firms do you think have chief information officers? And I said, you know, less than twenty. And he said five. You know, that that it's not, it hasn't been a priority to have that position, someone who's commanding, controlling all the data that the firm owns and how it's used. How important both Nathan and Sean is that? Like for, for firms out there, but don't have a good handle on it. How important is it to really get a handle on all that?
2: So uh, I want to jump in here first to tell you that we do not have a good data strategy here. Uh, so the solution that we came up with was to allow us to see benefit from what we did with the use of unstructured data across multiple places because of the problems that you just said. You know, we don't we, we don't have the best data governance strategy yet. We're working on it. Um, so we use technology to augment that and to help us get data models and get this data in place uh, to help us so uh, we we used technologies on the azure stack a microsoft azure platform to help us go scrape sharepoint sites so if you've got a bunch of documentation in a sharepoint site just suck it into a model index it and you're good to go um, if you have a bunch of documents setting in some document management system somewhere you can create an index from that and store it on the web and then query that index. Um, in the future, as we enhance our system, we will set that up so that we can, on a more timely basis, update that and keep that up to date. Uh, prof- we would prefer to pull all the data from a single source, like a document management system, something like that. But today, we wrote our solution, keeping in mind that we were going to be pulling from lots of disparate, unstructured data.
1: But but through using the system, you're able to take an unstructured data pile and actually create organization from it. So it could actually be a solution in itself to actually build the foundation for those, for future data management.
2: Yeah, we can literally just take, you know, essentially a pile of documents, unstructured PDFs, Word docs, whatever, turn that into a, a vector index, uh, an index that's, you know, accessible from those back end engines and then make that available, you know, within a few hours.
0: Wow. Yeah. So I guess I'll add, you know, as Sean said, we are we are working on our data. We have some new positions that have been filled in the last six months that are, you know, working towards, you know, getting better data structure and governance. So it's something in, uh, definitely a need that we've identified and are working on. Um, one thing I'll point out, and, and Sean can correct me if I'm completely wrong, or we can cut it out. But uh, <laughs> um, you know, one thing about when you're dealing with specifications mm-hmm. like on like gpt you know they had that learn like everything in the whole world yeah. but where we want some specific answers around specific problems based on specific knowledge um the problem is a little more manageable right with the the t-line example he gave yeah you know we only want it to reference maybe a handful or or half or a dozen you know, sources to get get that information. We don't want it to get all the bad information or all the mm-hmm. old information. We want it to get just specific information. So having, and, and so in some cases we can, you know we can pull, you know, create the right data sets that we want it to query specific mm-hmm. to our solution use cases. And so that makes it a little less daunting to have to have all your data figured out and, and structured properly. Yeah.
2: Yeah, that, that's, that's important. That, that's true. Um, you know, we, we have various sources of information across our network, and we've always had various sources of information, but, but our users know where that's at. That's their pile of data. Uh, so we, you know, on the technology side, we have to assume that that's good data. That's good. That's data that they're using today to do their work. So that's their data. It's vetted. And then we create a data model, which is a, or a data index uh, really is the right, is the proper term. We create an index of their data for their use and the use of the system. So it's theirs. They are comfortable with it. And they, they query it based on their own natural language query.
1: Got it. Huh. That's, I, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I, it, it, we're thinking about this in our own organization how can we use ai to assist in the same way we have been around for a while we got a lot of information that's spread across multiple databases it's not completely structured um we're in the same position you are and i think most firms are of, of 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 creating a standard and practice for data management and it's, it's interesting with your use case of, of using that to create the foundation for an organizational structure where we can start working on stuff and also making sure that you do it in such a way where uh, you know to, to Nathan's point i mean if you're looking at one subset of of rules that you kind of curate the stuff that's being dumped into the system so you're not looking at the entire universe you're just looking at that one specific rule section. Right. And, and, and you're able to get the answer from that limited information. Um, you know, looking, looking at this, I mean, where do you see this going? I mean, how do you, how do you see the, the Bucky developing over time? Um, and also from, from just the firm positioning as this product grows over time, how do you think the firm is going to evolve in in i guess just who's who's brought on I mean more software developers is there gonna be more people who are their background is in in coding and and not a professional engineer? I mean how do you think this is going to impact power
2: moving forward I, so interestingly enough, I had a conversation with some of our beta users this morning. Uh, in preparation for for Mm -hmm. our discussion this morning. Um, And what I found interesting was that the the people, the power users who are probably seeing the most benefit Mm -hmm. on the the proposal writing process actually said that that's really not what they're using it for right now. Even though that that's helpful to them, Mm -hmm. what they're starting to see and starting to use it for is business development purposes. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, they can take, um, you know, if they get information from a client and they want to write, you know, they want to write a good opportunity statement to win the work from that client, they're uploading information about that client Mm -hmm. to see what their needs are and and that kind of thing. And then they're doing analysis using this tool to better craft and target the information that they're doing. So it's sort of a proposal, but it's more of a, of targeting their clients to meet their needs and, and they're really seeing value there. That's really interesting. Uh, Go ahead.
1: No, more, more of a prospecting tool, more of a, instead of just something more general blanket kind of opportunity statement, personalizing it to the client, their challenges based off of what you're able to pull from, from all those documents.
2: Yeah. And what's cool is the way that we've built this system. Uh, we actually have what's a memory system. So as a user is chatting with the, with the bot, you have a, you have a conversation similar to what you would have in chat GPT. But on our side, we're capturing the information that we pull from sources along with the questions and answers that are coming and We're building kind of a semantic memory set and that cement that, that set follows that conversation. And essentially what happens is, is the bot grows smarter over time. So the more you use it and the more you feed it, the more accurate and reliable it becomes. So when our users were first using it, they were, you know, they're kind of pretty wary about what it was doing. Uh, but conversations this morning, they were like, I use it every day and I'm very comfortable, comfortable with it. I trust what it says. I'm still testing it. I'm still checking it because, you know, it's a bot and it can get weird sometimes, but they're using it every day to great effect. Um, Now, as to how we continue growing it, I do feel like, you know, this is a this is a hard IT thing. So we're going to be bringing in uh, software development help and data modeling and AI help. So we're, we actually have a couple of positions that we've opened up, one for a data scientist type person and one for a software development person that can, that are gonna, that's going to take this beta version of Bucky and move it to production for us and then scale it up so that it can be used across the organization. Um, so it's going to require a different skill set. These, you know, these are not electrical engineers or civil engineers, mechanical engineers. These are, these are IT folk that we're bringing in for a very specific purpose.
1: To your point, it's hard IT, it's specialized IT. It is data science and it is AI, which is great for, I mean, for anybody out there listening who's who's not an engineer yet or thinking about going into engineering, I'm not gonna dissuade you from going into engineering, but if you're you're moving more towards the software side of the house, a good example that you don't have to go into the silicon valley companies or or the companies that that first come to mind when you're thinking about this stuff because engineering is going to need those talents to implement this effectively within the firm so it's a it it's it, the engineering industry is a good place for you because that kind of specialized talent is going to be required nobody's ever going to you're always going to have to have a pe stamp a document you're always cuz that that deals with things beyond that's safety that's human life safety and 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 everything going in with that, but there's a lot that can help get that p e to sign that document, and that's where that that technology can can come in
0: yeah where where we see it kind of going you know as we work towards this you know platform we can you know deploy for the whole company is is really to help people get information quicker faster um in all all sorts of information from the engineering design information Sean talked about to questions about benefits or, you know, HR types of things, right? There's, um, you know, we have an intranet and there's a bunch of information in there, but it's hard to get to. And this tool we believe will really, you know, be able to make a big difference for us and just letting people get that information quicker. So instead of taking, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes to find something, it's, uh, you know, you type it into Bucky and off you go. Yeah, that's
2: actually that that's actually a use case we explored and I didn't yeah. I forgot about it until you just brought it up because it was so easy to pull off. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we did was we essentially took the employee handbook huh. and loaded it up and then now it, it's a globally accessible handbook to all of the bots in our system. And any user in the system can just ask an HR question. It knows and understands the handbook and it just provides the answer. And uh-huh. the way we've architected this is that not only can we do that from our website, from the Bucky webpage, uh-huh. but we can expose that in like a Teams uh, chatbot. So, really? you know, you have a, a bot in Teams, say, you know, QA, and then you ask the QA bot and you just get the answer. So we, we've we've kind of thought of exposing this not just as a webpage, but uh, the way we've architected it, we've built it so that it can be accessed from multiple the front ends yeah so whatever consumer we want you can consume the back end and the back end's kind of the brain
1: there's going to be a point in time 10 years or you're sooner down the line where somebody's just going to go hey bucky and ask a question and it'll just answer it right for you it's going to be the individual power engineer siri kind of thing right so that it will be next year yeah i'm
2: gonna i'm gonna have it done next year really you're gonna
1: have it so it's gonna be a uh, voice active that's something that's something that's that's yeah. And that's the goal, I, right?
2: That's yeah. It's already voice activated. I mean, I can go okay. to the website right now and and click my little icon and and using the infrastructure we have, I don't have this feature turned on, yeah. but I have the capability of pointing it at Azure um, speech recognition, and you can talk to it right now, ask it a question, and it's going to give you an answer. Uh, yeah. it, it's already there.
1: Yeah. It's amazing how quickly it's developed. I mean, all the technologies to implement it and facilitate this, it seems like it's all kind of been modernizing to a point where it's all coming together at once and it's all working.
2: <laughs> it's, that, it's... That, that, is, that is a very true statement. All of these bits and pieces have been out there for some time. Yeah. And then really, you know, the, the innovation here is not the technology. We, we didn't think up some brand new technology what we what we come to realize really quickly is that we have all these tools and these materials in our you know we got materials in our shed and tools in our tool bag mm-hmm. let's just put them together and yeah. we've put them together in a way that has allowed us to really move quickly and I think we'll move even quicker uh, you know once we once we pull ourselves up into the production level infrastructure that we need I think we'll I think we'll scream ahead pretty fast. And then every yeah. single
1: time it's used, it just gets stronger and smarter. So it's right. it's, it's it's as long as you're using it, it, it gets more effective. That's really something. Um, Nathan, I mean, what do you think? I mean, where 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 do you see this 10, 15 years down the line?
0: I mean, we've talked about yeah. what's next for it, right? Mm-hmm. You've got the language side of it. We obviously, as an engineering firm, we're creating lots of drawings yeah. and... Um, that's, that's where we're headed to see, you know, is there a way to, I mean, we've, we create thousands of designs Mm -hmm. a year and we've been doing that for 40 plus years. Is there a way to, to use that information, right? To, to do something more now that we have the ability to process it in this near real-time fashion. So I think there's a lot of opportunity.
1: Yeah. yeah. You, the last conversation, we kind of ended that with the with moving over to drawing. And I really think there's an opportunity for that. I just look at what Adobe is doing on its graphics uh, programming and the amount of now AI-assisted uh, fill, background creation. Um, in no way is it close to technical drawings that you need to do for engineering, but I'm still impressed with what you can do ask it to do and it, it can get you to a point where it gives you at least a framework to work off of i can only imagine that if you put in a historical backlog of designs that the software will be able to assist a designer in manipulating drawings very quickly
2: yeah I've, I've actually got a proof of concept of that as well so so we what we did uh, you know, in our research, we uh, obviously we've learned, you know, through Microsoft's GitHub Copilot and all that kind of thing, that these these large language models are actually really good at writing code. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of the CAD tools that we use across the utility industry, they all support a software development, uh, you know, framework mm-hmm. that you can feed code and create stuff in the drawing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So we kind of took it and said, well. Can I have the back end write code that I then execute against a drawing to create graphics in the drawing? And I took a day, put some code together, uh, called that, created a client in my CAD tool, and said, you know, I want to draw two boxes, uh, you know, as foundations with some rectangles representing a pole, some rectangles representing cross members. And connect the two with some arcs, and and I typed it just like that. Mm-hmm. And then what comes back is code in you know a, a language that the drawing tool understands. You execute that code, and then bam, you've got two foundations with two poles, cross members, and connecting wires.
1: That's amazing. Now
2: that was that was really easy to do, but you know there's a lot of QA and a lot of stuff that we need, and we need to take our drawings and kind of extract the guts of the drawings and train a machine learning model to understand what a drawing is. Yeah, Uh, which is which is still relatively easy because our drawings are really just object databases. Mm -hmm. So if you if you peel back the curtains on a on an AutoCAD drawing or a MicroStation drawing, it's just a database of dots and curves Mm -hmm. and lines that connect them. And if we extract that information and build a machine learning model that says, you know, this, you know, these lines with these dots represents a switch yeah. or these lines represent a, you know, a breaker. Then we can theorize that given enough information, we can start drawing this material. Um, so I know we can do it, the, but this is where our data scientist comes in. Because I don't have the math skills and the yeah. and the data, you yeah. know, stuff to do it, but somebody else will. And when we do, we're going to be off to the races.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, that the amazing the, the amount of time savings, the amount of I mean, cause speed kills going to market, making sure you can deliver on time. I mean, what this is going to do, the project delivery and just just the nature of 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 delivering on 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 you know, I mean. It's amazing what this has the potential to do uh, for a firm and and not just an overhead, but then also in just speeding delivery, creating more times for engineers to be doing their work. Um, It truly is something else. Um, And honestly, I mean, I, you know, talking to you guys, I don't, I, I, you know, hey, listen, I'll throw it open. If there are other firms out there are doing similar stuff, I mean, let me know. But you guys seem to be really ahead of the curve. I mean, having your own tool that is this far in advancement, it's really, really impressive um and congratulations on it because you know what we hear is a lot of um of firms that are talking about okay we're trying to figure out how we're going to do it. we're going to start with marketing we're going to start with maybe proposals we're going to limit the amount of data that goes in and um i know the the, the way that you're going about implementing this is is uh it seems to be very successful in learning new ways of using the technology
2: right Yeah, I think I think what's been very beneficial for us is, you know, Power Engineers is a a Microsoft shop. So we have access to the Microsoft Azure uh, platform and we trust Azure, um, you know, as much as you can. Uh, And Microsoft, you know, literally put it in writing, stating that your data is your data. We're not going to use it. We're not going to do anything with it. And we're not going to capture your data to train models or do anything with it. So, you know, if we take them at face value and say, okay, you said what you said. So we're going we're gonna to use your platform. The amount of tooling and the amount of platform as a service offerings that Azure gives us allows us to really run forward. Uh, yeah. it, it's a lot. There's a lot of stuff there and, and there's a lot of learning involved. But if you really just, you know, buckle in and learn it, you'll very quickly, I believe, come to a a proper infrastructure and a proper architecture to perform this work for you.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think we also, I mean, on the more, you know, corporate side, we do have a leadership who, who does value technology. They're looking for ways to implement it and use it and help our firm get better with it. And so, you know, we do have a very, you know, very supportive leadership in those areas yeah. and, you know, everything has to get done within budgets and, you know, have checks and balances. But, you know, when it comes down to it, we, we're very, very much want to see how we can use technology to provide better services to our customers and, and make sure that we're bringing the best value to the table. So it's great yeah. to have that kind of support.
1: Man, I, it, it is something else. I really, I really appreciate going to you guys going into detail on this stuff because I think it, it, it helps our audience kind of think about this. And there were a lot of questions that percolated up around fall conference about the next step with AI and with our technology committee that we just stood up. These are the things that we're looking at as well and 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 uh, trying to stay ahead of the curve as much as humanly possible. So uh, we really appreciate your insights and and and. You don't want to continue this conversation, uh, especially on 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 how Bucky is developing and and uh, and just whatever, you know, other initiatives you guys are doing over at power. So I appreciate you guys you know taking the time today to, to, to spend some time on it. Uh, Sean and, and Nathan, anything else you guys want to add before we kind of wrap up? I think there
2: there is one, uh, you know, caveat to yeah. this that I, I think we need to say. Um, AI and the use of this, uh, the semantic language kernels and all that, they require a different way of thinking. Uh, you cannot tackle this like a traditional software project where you create a bunch of, of, uh, requirements up front and try to tackle that. It's not really the same. It's the, the stuff is evolving so quickly that you're always trying to adapt and and stay on top of the new changes. Mm -hmm. So if you if you look at this from your traditional software design waterfall perspective, by the time you get your requirements written to start your work, you're going to be, you know, a year behind. Yeah. Um, So you really have to think different and be really agile in in this thing. And not just from the creation of it, but the use of it, because mm-hmm. the use of it, you know, you're asking a system to think like a person Yeah. and systems don't typically think like people. So, um, you know, at best, what we're seeing with this is that, you know, if you ask a really pointed question, it's going to give you a really good answer. If you ask it to think, you know, in, in a bit of detail, you're going to get a, a, a toddler answer yeah. because it's still in its infancy, right? Um, so you have to kind of be willing to accept that sometimes you're going to get some weird stuff back and you have to be willing to train it and teach it just like a toddler. Um, but we, we've, we've had our users very willing to do that. So we've seen some pretty good success.
1: That's a great place. to I think that's a great, that's a stop off point. I think that's a, a really good uh uh, a lesson for um our our listeners to take so uh i think it's an important caveat to keep in mind nathan um anything else to add on your end
0: no i don't think i have anything else it's been great talking with you again and yeah um,
1: look forward to the next great. conversation uh because i mean yeah. it's just gonna it's just gonna evolve over time i mean i think that you know going from words and then the visuals to drawings to, you know, voice activation. I mean, the whole idea, it's, it's, it's getting to that point where a firm could have its own bespoke AI system that allows you to ask everything from HR questions to specifications on a, on an electrical engineering drawing.
0: It's, it's truly, truly amazing. Yeah. We're excited to see that next step come around.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, So yeah, until the next time, um, this has been Engineering Influence Podcast from the American Council of Engineering Companies, and we will see you next time.